here we are once again talking about a school shooting at an elementary school in Texas. Such a tragedy yesterday. And of course, we've been around long enough to know we've seen enough of these, sadly. Uh, We've seen enough of these incidents to know that uh, this will spark another debate over guns and mental health and the breakdown of the family and the uh, place of God in our society. And I've been around long enough to know that the answer probably lies in some combination thereof, but I'm also not naive enough to to believe that anything will really change at the end of the day. We're left wondering why and uh, what will it take, and sadly there are no answers. Such a tragedy yesterday, and our thoughts and prayers with the families uh, there in that uh, small, close-knit community as they suffer through a horrific event that no one in this uh, country or any country should have to uh, deal with. Sadly, it is yet another reality of our time. Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, if there is one industry we expect to have rock-solid cybersecurity, it is within banking and financial services. So how safe are the platforms that keep care of our money? Also this morning, it's home improvement season. We have advice for taking some of the stress out of your summer projects before you even start to think about swinging that hammer. And kids will discover oceans of possibilities with the Summer Read program from the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library. Youth Services Manager Brittany Lutz will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. Among the first things you need to know this morning, um, it was uh, election day, number of uh, primaries yesterday, interesting outcomes in uh, Georgia, in Texas, and other uh, in other states. And uh, this, I thought, was kind of interesting. Speaking of politics, um, you probably didn't hear about this, but I thought it was uh, really interesting. Uh, Governor John Carney yesterday of Delaware He's a Democrat, vetoed a bill that would have legalized recreational use of marijuana in that state. Uh, Certainly goes against the tide. Uh, A growing number of uh, states, particularly those led by Democrats, that have legalized recreational marijuana, but not in Delaware. Uh, Governor Carney repeated uh, the reservations he had expressed before, saying that while he supported medical marijuana and the decriminalization of the drug, He doesn't feel the same way about outright legalization of recreational use. He said, I don't believe that promoting or expanding the use of recreational marijuana is in the best interests of the state of Delaware, especially our young people. Questions about the long-term health and economic impacts of recreational marijuana use, as well as serious law enforcement concerns, remain unresolved. Um, We'll have to wait and see if... Lawmakers, the state legislature in in Delaware, uh, will try and override the vehicle. But uh, one Democratic representative said that the governor had chosen to ignore the will of Delaware residents in uh, vetoing the legislation. So may not be over. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, This also is uh, kind of interesting, and it really speaks to... uh, politics and the social construct of our country uh, these days. And uh, there is a component of this that is playing itself out in the uh, aftermath of uh, yesterday's school shooting as well. Topic has been brought up, what was posted on social media uh, by the shooter and so on. You know, the young people today, Generation Z, the young adults today, grew up largely in the age of the internet and social media, and they don't know a time before we posted everything, every little detail of our lives uh, on social media. And maybe it's because of that, maybe it's despite that, 
A new poll finds that the majority of Gen Z voters, young adult voters, support measures to rein in the power of uh, tech giants in this country. The Data for Progress survey finds that a majority of voters between the ages of 18 to 25 support efforts to regulate the mega companies in the tech world and their market power. And by the way, uh, this is regardless of party affiliation. Uh, those that ident- uh, identified as Democrats, those that uh, identified themselves as Republicans, both uh, generally support the idea. 61% backed legislation before Congress that would limit tech giants from favoring their own products and services. 78% support government taking action to protect small businesses and ensure competitive markets. 76%, three in four, back government officials taking action to fine or even throw CEOs in jail if they break the law. Uh, these young voters also express support for efforts to strengthen protections for children and teens online. 76% back those measures. So it's kind of interesting that it's not just us old fuddy-duddies that want to rein in tech giants. It's even young people that recognize that uh, something needs to be done here. I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. And again, it uh, also uh, has a uh, uh, component that plays itself out with the uh, situation that happened yesterday in uh, in Texas. Uh, a couple of other uh, items among the first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Coming up on the Memorial Day weekend, big travel weekend, started the summer travel season. And uh, now that pandemic lockdowns have eased, uh, people are eager to travel again. But there are still some pandemic-related landmines to navigate with respect to that. It can be kind of tricky to travel still in the summer of 2022. But check this out. Again, maybe because of that, to help navigate those challenges, people are once again turning to travel agents rather than booking trips themselves online. You know, like the good old days, pre-pandemic. The Travel Network Virtuoso, uh, which uh, is a travel network more than 20,000 travel advisors. That's the term that people use now, not travel agents, travel advisors. Um, They have seen globally a 50% increase in demand over the past year, they say, with millennials and Gen Xers being the fastest growing, growing portion of new clients. The American Society of Travel Advisors with 17,000 members, uh, reports that 76% of their advisors are seeing a jump in demand, while elite travel companies say they are turning away new clients. They have so many clients, they're actually turning them away. There's a waiting line. In the not-so-distant past, travel agents were thought of as nearly obsolete, but post-pandemic flight cancellations, chronic understaffing, Uh, COVID testing requirements that can vary widely and can be confusing. Uh, The increase in cost uh, and hotel rates and airline tickets. Uh, Much more money is on the line and the likelihood that plans might have to be changed at the last minute. All of that have made the knowledge and connections of travel agents or travel advisors a hot commodity once again. Kind of interesting. If you're planning a vacation, have you used a uh, travel agent or a travel advisor, or are you still doing it yourself? Kind of interesting. And uh, speaking of the Memorial Day holiday, what is the other uh, big thing? Um, You get friends and family together, have a big cookout maybe this weekend. Check this out. Miller Lite has has launched a new beer-infused charcoal. Um, They have announced the launch of Miller Lite Beer Coal. Beer-infused charcoal. It is the first ever beer-infused charcoal. When burned, it is said to release the taste of Miller Lite onto whatever you're cooking. You can get it now at MillerLiteBeerCoal.com while supplies last. So, (laughs) just in time for all of your summer Backyard barbecues. And how about this item? 
Among the first things you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, for the first time in seven years, the birth rate in the U.S. is up. Uh, Americans welcomed 3.66 million babies to the world in 2021. That is 1% higher than in 2020, according to provisional numbers from the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics. More babies being born is the first increase in the U.S. birth rate since 2014 before last year's findings the number of births had been falling by an average of 2% a year. So it is uh, quite the turnaround there. There's a report in the uh, Wall Street Journal. 3.6 million babies welcomed to the world uh, in 2021. So the U.S. birth rate is actually up. So does that mean predictions of a uh, baby boom? Um, there were alternating predictions, you remember, uh, during the course of the pandemic. Some people said I might see a baby boom. You know, after the uh, months of lockdown, people with nothing better to do <laughs> would lead to a baby boom. And then there were others that said that concerns and fears over the future would lead people to think twice about starting or expanding their family and that we might actually see the birth rate uh, decline even further. Um, but it appears that maybe the baby boom predictions were the uh, accurate ones. It'll be interesting to see if uh, that uh, population growth of the birth birth rate uh, growth uh, continues past this year. So, and anyway, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Showers and storms possible today. High of 78. Showers and storms possible tonight with a low in the 60s. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says with temperatures warming up and summer approaching, they're seeing more crashes involving motorcycles on Ohio's roadways. Lieutenant Matt Crow is commander of the Finley Post of the Highway Patrol. Biggest thing that motorcyclists can do, aside from wearing all their proper protective gear, is take some of those training courses and just to improve their skill set a little bit when it comes to riding motorcycles. And he says safety on the roadways is everyone's responsibility. The Highway Patrol says motorcycle deaths in Ohio increased by 55% last year. Month of May is Motorcycle Safety Awareness Month. Hancock Public Health has unveiled a new communicable disease dashboard. The new interactive database will allow people in the community to access the data the health department collects. The goal is that residents will use the dashboard to learn more about what illnesses are impacting the county along with current trends. We have a link to that new dashboard on the website. The trial continues for two men accused in the hazing-related death last year of BGSU student Stone Foltz. We spoke with attorney Andy Miley. He says the state will have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Stone was coerced into drinking. Hazing is a statutory offense. So the state is going to have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt each and every element. That's where this case is going to rise or fall, in my opinion. Now, Miley says he believes the trial may go to the jury this week, if not after Memorial Day. WTOL 11's Chase Bachman reporting. The Hancock Park District Zonta Landing Boat Rentals at Riverside Park in Finley will open this weekend. Canoes, kayaks, and pedal boats will be available for rent on Saturdays, Sundays, and holidays from 1 to 7 through Labor Day. Get more on the website. It's going to cost you quite a few bucks to attend Ohio State's football season opener. The Buckeyes will take on Notre Dame at Ohio Stadium on Saturday night, September 3rd. Many ticket-selling websites are showing prices ranging from around $300 all the way up to several thousand dollars. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, over the course of the past couple of years especially, we have seen a massive shift to digitization uh, across just about every industry, banking being one of the many. It's a trend that we had uh, was already underway, accelerated over the past couple of years like many. We have also seen more large-scale cyber attacks exploiting vulnerabilities in all types of digital platforms. And so raises the question, just how secure is the industry that keeps care of our money? Uh, Prakash Patney is responsible for partnering with financial services clients through IBM Cloud. 
Prakash, if there is one industry that we want to have rock solid, absolutely locked down security, it is the financial services industry. And yet I would imagine if you are a cyber criminal, this must be the holy grail of targets. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, in these bad actors, as we refer to them, um, are, are really this is one of the industries that they absolutely target. And, um, you know, it's, it's this financial data gives you a lot of access to do lots of things, right? So um, it's absolutely critical that the industry looks to, to secure this data and to keep it safe. And we can we can talk about some of what we're doing and how we're helping the, the industry do that. Yeah, with the, as we mentioned, with the pandemic over the past couple of years, every industry has experienced uh, pretty significant changes, changes that were already underway, but accelerated because of everything that we've been through. What has been the biggest change in the financial services industry where this digitization was already well underway? Yeah, I'll, I'll highlight three quickly. I mean, the, the first one is, I think, consumer expectations um, have changed in terms of, the, you know, they all want instant gratification and mm-hmm. real-time service. So if they can order their food or get missing ingredients delivered to the door in a few minutes, then they want the same from their financial services providers. Secondly, I think it's around personalized um, services and um, tailored to a, a particular individual's need. So just to give you an example, my bank recently texted me to say I've got a regular payment going out tomorrow, but I don't have enough money in my account to cover that. And so, you know, I was managed, I, I was able to move money so I didn't end up having to pay overdraft charges. Mm-hmm. So it was monitoring what was going on and, and giving me advice, but, you know, crucially at the right time. And then finally, we've seen this continued shift from branches to call centers, to internet, to mobile. And millennials, you know, for them, the predominant way of accessing their financial services is, is through their, through their mobile phone. And, I was just struck recently when my son turned 18 and he got a bunch of um, checks through the post, you know, for his birthday. And he was like rolling his eyes going, why are people sending me bits of paper? And, you know, why don't they just transfer the money digitally? And <laughs> luckily, you know, he banked with one of these fintech banks that just allows you to scan your check and he still didn't need to visit a branch. So he's he's never been into a branch and just like doesn't ever expect to go into one. So yeah. I think this transition from physical to digital would just, just continue to accelerate. And all of those uh, changes... Uh, present their own challenges when it comes to security, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a security point of view, every time that you go through as an organization a lot of change, it, it creates opportunities for, for risk. And, um, you know, we've spoken about um, these bad actors, but also banks are working with a lot more fintechs. And as they increase their digital supply chain, um, that's only as strong as its weakest link. So, you know, we've had lots, a num- not a lot, but we've had a number of high um, profile security breaches where they've taken advantage of these vulnerabilities in these third parties to give them access to their, um, you know, customers' financial data. So, you know, I think it's this, it's easy to build up this, um, or to lose the trust, but it takes decades to, to build it up. Yeah. So there's a lot we're doing in this area around the, the technologies to, to make sure we help our clients avoid, um, you know, protect basically avoid these issues and protect their, their data in this in these times of change. And you mentioned, you referenced the fintechs. And when we talk about the digitization of the banking industry, we're not just talking about the traditional established uh, players like the Chase and the Huntingtons of the world, but also this new breed of fintech startups like Venmo, Venmo Chime, Robinhood, uh, ones that we've all heard and some that may be less familiar is that level of protection the same within those uh, fintech platforms as it is with traditional banks? Yeah, I think if you're um, so, what one of the things that we've done is that you've a lot of these um, fintechs um, are, are not building and running their own data centers like uh, a number of more. I went, you know, I'll say traditional banks did. Mm-hmm. So there's this movement to the the cloud, um, and part of what we're doing is um, building solutions that um, bring that same level of protection to the cloud that companies have maybe had when they've traditionally been running these things on premises. So one of the things we've done is um, work with Bank of America to build this um, industry-specific cloud. It's called the IBM Cloud for Financial Services. So organizations, be they existing traditional banks or fintechs, um, when they come to this cloud, we've built it to meet the needs of the financial services industry. It's got built-in security, built-in compliance, some of the um, the highest levels of, of security. So uh, you can you can get the best of both worlds, as it were. You can use some of these new fintechs, um, and, and if they're using some of the technologies that we've built, they're able to you know, to secure their data and keep it safe. And that um, and, and, and keep. 
everything protected. And that's uh, kind of brings us to the meat of the conversation. What we really want to get to is what do consumers uh, need to know or what should we know, be aware of about the way that the, the that our data is being protected when it comes to online banking and financial services? Yeah, I'd say, look, I mean, um, you know, we know data is really important to protect and um, the industry, the technologies exist. So things like, you know, how do we encrypt our data? How do we isolate who's got access to what? How do we use artificial intelligence to, to monitor all these millions of transactions that are going on to see if something, you know, untowards happening? So all of the, the technologies exist and, you know, we could do a whole podcast on any any one of these. Um, and, I, you know, we've been at the forefront of developing a lot of these um, and working with our clients to embed them into into their solution. So I'd really say the key thing here is technologies exist and it's really about, um, and, and, and the industry itself is aware of it and is very careful about um, adopting the right standards. And then they obviously have the regulators providing oversight on top of that to make sure um, you know, the, the, the banks are adhering to the standards that are needed. So I think I think consumers can feel comforted that technologies exist, banks are there, and there's someone watching them as well in the form of regulators to make sure that they're doing the right thing. So, you know, I think all, I think it, it's important, but I think it, it's one of those things you shouldn't you shouldn't lose sleep uh, at night over it over it. Yeah, um, as you were alluding to, IBM uh, has been involved and in focused uh, on the financial services uh, industry. You have a long history of clients uh, in this space. Uh, we were talking about some of the changes that have come about, uh, especially over the past couple of years with lightning speed. When you look forward, what are some of the trends that you see transforming this industry over the next couple of uh, of years? And what are the challenges that are going to present themselves with those changes? Yeah, I think you're going to see um, a continued Growth in embedded finance, and and by that I mean you don't you know you're not going to carry around lots of plastic cards. People use their phones um, now. This will create opportunities and challenges because you're going to see on the one hand increased volumes that we've seen with contactless payments, but on the other hand you're going to see this disintermediation between customers and their traditional banking relationships because now it's the tech platforms that have all the data about what you're buying and who from and all that sort of good stuff. Um, so I think that will be one of the challenges as well as an opportunity. You'll, you'll see more contextual banking. And by that, I mean, artificial intelligence will help as we start to connect up devices and information. It'll be able to be much more targeted at offering you discounts when you're in a particular shop or or nudging your behavior, you know, going, do you really need that latte and the money we better spend saved towards a house deposit? Hmm. Um, I think also, you know, we spoke about finally fintechs and I think they're transforming the industry, you know, we've seen the growth of the crypto market and digital assets. It's in the trillions right. of dollars now in terms of market cap. Um, I think 40 million people in the U.S. have now traded cryptos, and the Biden administration had you know, recently had the executive order around looking at how do we um, protect and what are the protocols for for this um, particular industry, you know, this this technology. So I think you're going to see regulators start to get much more serious and take a closer look at this. So these, I think, three trends that you're going to you see really challenge and, and change the industry in the years to come. Really fascinating look at the uh, present and future state of uh, banking, financial services, and technology and how it is all merging together. Prakash uh, Patney is, as we said, responsible for partnering with financial services clients through IBM Cloud. Where do folks learn more uh, about what is being done in this space to protect our data and keep our money safe? Yes, yeah, so if you go to ibm.com, forward slash cloud um, you will see a lot more about what we're doing and the clients where we're working with and, and some of the technologies um, that you know we continue to build and, and develop to, to keep everything here safe and, and secure prakash thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it thank you for having me chris getting into home improvement season now and joining us this morning with some great renovation tips to save you time, money, and stress. Home care expert at Angie Mallory Meistech is uh, with us uh, this morning. And uh, if you if you can save us uh, time, money, and stress, that's like the trifecta of home improvement. Because anyone who's ever undertaken a project knows that it can eat up a lot of time, money, and stress. 
Yeah, it sure is. Thanks, Chris, for having me on. It's, it's a hat trick. If, if I can do that, <laughs> yeah. it's a good day, right? <laughs> so uh, how can we set ourselves up for a, a successful and low-stress uh, home renovation? Yeah, you know, at Angie, we hear a lot and are consistently talking to homeowners. So we have a couple like tips that we always recommend, especially in terms of, of reducing that stress. Um, planning ahead. Planning is key. We talked to about a thousand homeowners recently who took on some major projects. Um, and the number one thing they said that if they could do it again is that they would start planning earlier and mm-hmm. put more time into the planning process of their project. So let me just inter- let me. I'm sorry. Just let me let me interject real, real quickly there. When you say uh, planning ahead, what what are the benefits? What are what are some of the things we should be doing in terms of planning ahead? It's one thing to just say, oh, plan ahead, but what does that involve? Yeah, there's a benefits are it's going to help you keep on time and keep on budget. And it's really going to help you kind of stay in control. When I think about planning a project, it's things like talking to multiple pros in your area, um, trying to figure out who to hire and making that right hiring decision. Um, it's, it's thinking about all the, the different things that go into making a budget, not just like okay, I have this much money, but how is that money going to be allocated? It's doing the research about like, nowadays, sometimes we want to be so um, in control of the types of materials that we are looking for. Um, So it's all that. And then I think another thing that people forget in the planning process is thinking about how this is going to impact your daily life, um, your home, especially now, so many people are working from home and living from home. We found that when people worked and lived at home and took on a, a renovation project, there was a lot higher instance of panic attacks and anxiety attacks just because of that added stress into their yeah, lives. So the, a big part of the planning process is thinking, what am I going to do during this time period? Yeah, all of that interruption to the normal routine, uh, which uh, again, uh, can certainly add to the stress. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt what what else do you have uh to help uh, make these uh, renovations uh lower stress yeah no that was a that was a great segue i loved it lower stress i think some there are some other things knowing when to hire a pro versus diy and that is key doing your research and asking a lot of questions i always like to say leave no stone unturned there's a question you have it's probably not that silly and your pro is going to be able to answer that question for you and then really in terms of stress i also think it's really important to not only communicate with your contractor or pro regularly but help set up some boundaries and kind of communication discuss communication styles do you like test text messages do you like phone calls do you want a weekly status update um and also talk about things like working hours when do people when do you expect them to be on site when is the end of your day where you want everyone gone that's also really going to help reduce the stress in a project so how do we know when it's time to uh call a pro as opposed to diy in it because i mean we all like to think we can uh, do all of these things on our own. I guess part of it is knowing what your your own limitations are. But besides that, what are some of the uh, things that can help you decide whether it's better to do it yourself or call in an expert? Yeah, I think we've all watched maybe one too many YouTube or home improvement shows. <laughs> Guilty. Um, and then. Yeah, and maybe we might overestimate um, our ability. So rule of thumb that I have, it's a really quick question you can ask yourself. It's the three T's. Do I have the time, the tools, and the talent to do this work? Ideally, you need all three to really pull off a successful DIY project. If you're missing one of those or aren't sure, especially like tools is a big thing. A lot of big work takes a lot of big tools. That's always often where I draw the line. I'm not a power tools girl. There's a lot of DIY I will take on. Power tools, not my thing. That's when I call in a pro. So when in doubt, really realistically ask yourself, do I have the time, the tools, and the talent to do this project? If not, it's going to be best not only in the short term, but also the long term to hire this out. And when you talk about budgeting, one other uh, note that I think is important, and uh, again, anyone who's ever undertaken a large project uh, knows this probably, but it serves as a good reminder. When we're talking about budgeting, we also need to budget for the unexpected. And I know the general rule of thumb is 10%. That is, do you find that that's uh, generally a, a good place to start, or would you even go more than that? You know, 10% is a great place to start. I say one of the most things that you can expect during a home improvement project is the unexpected. Yeah. Unfortunately, contractors can't see through walls or through their floors until they really start the work. So, yes, 
10% is, is a good starting amount to start with. But I also think it's important to have a conversation, especially if you're, if you're doing this project with a spouse or a significant other, prioritizing the things in your budget so that when some of these, if, it, if you go over that 10%, you know what you're going to be able to cut mm. or reduce in scope from your project. Have that conversation before you're in that heated and that supercharged moment of like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? That way you're, you're informed ahead of time and you know what you're going to do. But rule of thumb, yes, 10% is, is a nice little buffer to set aside for your project for some of those unexpected, expected, unexpected things right. that are going to come up. And uh, important to note that that applies whether you're doing it yourself or hiring a pro. Either way, you're going to run into things yes. uh, that uh, you don't expect. Again, uh, Mallory Meistich is a home care expert at Angie with some uh, renovation tips to help save you time, money, and stress during this home improvement season. Where do we go and get more information. Yeah, you can check out the Angie app or go to Angie.com where you can read reviews about local pros, find and hire a local pro, figure out cost estimates and get a whole ton more tips um, so that you can be successful in your project. Mallory, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. And now today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A kind of a light day, actually, in the broken news. Not a whole lot going on. Kind of interesting here. A man in Florida facing multiple charges. Um, Peter Dusick arrested late last week um, over a landscaping dispute with his neighbor, uh, the explo- uh, well, I'll get to what happened here in just a bit. Apparently, um, I, I don't know the, the whole, uh, story about this, but, uh, it was like a $20 landscaping dispute with his neighbor. Um, and, uh, Mr. Dusick, uh, did, I think what any reasonable person would do if you're having a dispute with your neighbor, he, uh, planted an improvised explosive device in, uh, his neighbor's mailbox. <laughs> uh, the explosion destroyed the mailbox as well as bending a nearby street sign and sent shrapnel flying almost 50 feet away. Um, fortunately, no one was injured uh, in this, but officers say the bomb was not built hastily. Uh, this was a, a pretty elaborate uh, device. Mr. Dusick faces multiple charges, including making or possession a destructive device and aggravated assault. No word on exactly what the dispute was uh, or whether that actually settled the dispute. I... I don't know. Wow. Uh, the moral of the story, uh, don't get into an argument with your neighbor, I guess. that's He's not in, uh, in that community in Florida. Um, this is kind of crazy. In Oklahoma City, an Amazon driver had a pretty scary encounter while on the job. Police say someone threw a grenade into the driver's van. Driver jumped out, causing the van to crash into a mailbox in a parked car. The bomb squad was called to the scene. Nearby homes were evacuated as a precaution. The grenade turned out to be a fake. Wow. Man, I tell you, some people, you just you just wonder, what in the world? Um, the lighter side, the broken news. The story of one determined raccoon, the Santa Cruz Animal Shelter in California, posted on Facebook uh, the other day that a local resident called the Wildlife Emergency Services number to report a raccoon had chewed a hole in his roof and then promptly gotten stuck trying to climb through. The shelter said the homeowners were told how to push the raccoon through the hole so it uh, would not suffocate. They also noted the raccoon turned out to be a mother was uh, looking to reunite with her babies. Uh, apparently, uh, mom had gotten into the house and, uh, you know, gave birth, had babies inside, a nest inside, and then the homeowner closed up, uh, repaired the entrance for Mama Raccoon to get back in the house, so she had to find another way, chewed a hole through the roof. Wildlife Emergency Services personnel now helping the homeowner set up a repellent barrier to safely and humanely 
Have Mama and her kids move along to a more appropriate home. <laughs> they say there's a moral in that. Uh, before you plug up a hole, you know, where critters might be getting into your home, make sure that they're not nesting and they don't have young ones in the home or they'll find another way in and maybe even more destructive. So moral of that story, I guess. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, we said it's just kind of a light day. But uh, this, an interest speaking of animals in the broken news. In South Sudan, a sheep has been sentenced to three years in jail for murder. Yes, that's right. A sheep has been sentenced to three years in jail. The animal head-butted a 45-year-old village resident multiple times, resulting in the a woman's death. Police then took the sheep into custody, and they have reported it will spend the next three years in a military camp, after which it will be customarily given to the family of the victim. <laughs> Major, Major Elijah Mabor of South Sudan explained that the owner is innocent and that the sheep is the only one who deserves to be arrested. They're not blaming the owner. Although the local court has ruled that the owner of the sheep uh, will have to give five cows to the victim's family as additional compensation. <laughs> there you go. That is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news. It is certainly that. Brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <laughs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. A lot of data here to uh, unpack in this, but it's really interesting because this is graduation season. And the college grads uh, who are receiving their diplomas this year, the class of 2022, say they are looking very much forward to entering the job market since most feel that COVID ruined their school experience. A new survey has found that a staggering 83% of new college grads feel the pandemic ruined their college years. And now those students are turning their attention to the working world. And the top thing on their minds is how much money they can make. This is a poor poll of more than 400 students in the class of 2022 commissioned by Jobs List finds that Google searches for the phrase average salary post-college are up compared to last year by 223%. <laughs> they find that the class of 2022 significantly more optimistic about their job chances than were uh, students who graduated last year. 69% uh, say they feel ready to enter the current job market, taking advantage of recent labor shortage issues across the U.S. Just one in four say they are struggling to find an entry-level job. Uh, 84% are excited about their career path and 62% in the poll. This was interesting. 62% of this year's graduating college graduating class, 62% completely changed the industry they planned to work in during college. Many shifted careers because of how they are perceiving the current post pandemic job market. Unfortunately, this is the downside their guesses may not be entirely correct. When it comes to the fields that recent college grads think they have the most job opportunities, they listed education, number one, arts and entertainment, finance and insurance, agriculture, and journalism as the top five. According to Forbes, however, the top five fastest growing industries are healthcare, IT, supply chain management, financial management, and statistics. So quite a disparity there between where they think the opportunities are and where they appear to actually be. Uh, very interestingly, remote work may be popular with current workers, but the class of 2022 wants nothing to do with it. 
After losing most of their college life to remote learning, only 30% want to find a job where they can work from home. 37% want to work in an office, and 24% want a hybrid work environment. One in 10 grads say they will take whatever they can get. But as for that Google search, the average salary for a new college graduate is $55,260. That is statistically what a new college grad can expect to make, $55,260. And that may come as a shock to many hopeful grad graduates, the co- uh, class of 2022, who say they expect to make over $103,000 in their first job. <laughs> Almost double the amount that statistically they are likely to actually make. So now that may be a bit more realistic given the current uh, environment, uh, the uh, job market, because, you know, the labor market is so tight. Uh, Workers have a little bit more pull and can demand a bit more uh, higher salary, but double statistically what they still may be a little overly optimistic on that. Well, it is that time of year again. Very soon, the kid's going to be out of school and looking for something to do. Well, those young'uns can discover oceans of possibilities with the Summer Read program from the Findlay Hancock County Public Library. And Youth Services Manager Brittany Lutz is with us uh, on the line this morning. Brittany, uh, Summer Read's theme this year, Oceans of Possibilities. Tell us a little bit more uh, about the, uh, the, the program and how you tie it in with that theme. Yeah, so we participate in a national-wide theme each year, so we always kind of have a couple years to prepare. We know what's coming, and it gives us a lot of really fun opportunities to think ahead and to uh, incorporate that theme into our regular programming that we do, Mm -hmm. um, story times, makerspaces, and all that stuff, but also to work with outside organizations to really um, do fun stuff related to that theme. So this year, specifically, we're doing a lot of stuff with science, uh, which is a natural fit for oceans. Uh, so we'll be working with the parks to do an extreme weather program. We're going to talk about bioluminescence and sea creatures. We're going to work with the Toledo Aquarium to do a virtual story time and tour of their facility. And we're also going to be working with the Greater Cleveland Aquarium to have a virtual tour of their area. So, yeah, it just kind of gives us a chance to... Um, do what we always do, but also find new ways to connect that theme and explore new areas each year. Yeah, it sounds like uh, there are really a number of cool programs uh, tied into this theme. And like you said, um, you know, with the oceans and what a what a great thing to explore. I mean, there's a lot of fascinating uh, things that are uh, in the world's oceans that uh, uh, kids will really enjoy discovering. I know that's a, a really cool topic. So uh, talk a little bit about the uh, Summer Read Program and uh, how it works, how folks can uh, sign up their kids and all of that. Give us all of the uh, nuts and bolts on this. Right. So we will be running a 10-week program this year. It kicks off May 30th, which is next Monday. Mm-hmm. And starting on the 30th, you can go on to our online platform, which is available at finleylibrary.readsquared.com. If you've done a summer read or winter read program with us the last couple of years, all you have to do is log into your account and it will automatically tell you that the new program is available you answer a couple of questions, update your kiddos' ages, and you're all set for this year's program. If you're new to our online platform, you just register. It's a really simple process. A couple of questions like your name, age for the kiddos, um, you set up a username and password, and then you're all set to go. Um, the program is built to be really flexible. Obviously, we really want kiddos reading this summer and having fun with that. But we also recognize that there are a lot of different learning styles out there. So there's a lot of different ways to participate in the program. You can read, you can record um, individual books that you've read. You can record just minutes that you've read. Sometimes that works better for our older kiddos that, Mm -hmm. you know, might not read a whole book a week, but they can record that, you know, they read 20 minutes this day, they read 30 minutes this day. Um, And then they still get that encouragement of seeing that progress without getting too bogged down in the, oh my gosh, I haven't finished a book yet. (laughs) Um, We really want it to just be fun and super relaxed. 
Um, in addition to reading, there are missions. These are fun activities that our librarians have put together. So it's things like a Disney emoji quiz or a shark badge that you can earn by exploring and learning more about sharks. Um, so it's really working on engaging on multiple levels, involving a lot of different styles of reading while also having fun with learning. And again, the whole purpose behind this is twofold. Number one, uh, kids going to have a lot of time, a lot of free time on their hands. And what's that old saying about uh, idle hands uh, and <laughs> so on. So keeping the kids busy and keeping uh, the I'm boards at bay. Any parent knows the dreaded words I'm bored start to uh, come out uh, a couple of weeks into a summer vacation. So th this gives them uh, something to do. And also, we've talked about on the uh, program in the past, uh, the reality of the summer brain drain, the fact that when the kids are out of class uh, during summer vacation, they lose much of that academic progress that they built up over the course of the, the past school year. And um, you, you don't necessarily have to be doing uh, math worksheets in order to maintain your math prowess. Just keeping those brain cells active uh, can prevent that brain drain across all subjects. Yeah, so um, the summer reading gap is, is a very real problem that I don't know that everybody always considers because we think that as long as kids are going to school, they're going to get all the skills that they need. Right. And I mean, certainly that's so important, but um, those, those couple of months of inactivity can really set them behind for that next school year. So you've got to find ways to keep them engaged and keep them learning, even if they're not sitting down for a formal lesson, because that's not what they, they always need. If they're right. getting out, um, even in, you know, getting outside and, and doing activities, but um, how easy it is it with you got a little kiddo to be like, okay, like what, what letters do you see around you? We're, we're going to the grocery store, like help me write mm -hmm. the shopping list, like anything that they're doing that makes them think through things. Um, it's so important to keeping up and then they don't lose as much of that progress yeah. that they've made all it, year when they start back in the fall. It's just like any muscle. Uh, if you don't exercise it, uh, then you lose it. And uh, the brain is, you know, a part of the body that we have to exercise. So getting that gray matter moving and uh, using that gray matter through the summer is so important. So again, one of the real important aspects of summer read. And of course, it centers around uh, reading. As you mentioned, uh, the uh, kids can uh, earn progress points uh, for the uh, books that they read. And there are so many uh, opportunities or so many uh, great titles that are always uh, a bunch of uh, new titles uh, coming out that uh, kids may want to uh, pick up, especially that surround the uh, theme of Summer Read this year. Yeah, so um, lots of fun stuff. One of the other cool things about Read Squared is that we've built reading lists for each age group. So if you go in there um, in your account, there's a section that you can go in and look at recommended reading lists and there's okay. on various themes. So we have ones for sea life and sea creatures. We've got mermaid lists. We've got pirate lists. Pretty much anything connected to the theme that kids would get excited about. And even adults, we have adult lists too. Um, lots of great recommendations on there. A couple of things that I would recommend this summer that are really fitting. Um, if you guys have not read Percy Jackson yet. This is a great summer to do it. He's a, a middle schooler who finds out that he is actually a demigod and he is the son of Poseidon, who is the god of the sea. Okay. Uh, it's full of action and adventure and lots of humor. And it's a great time to read it because Disney Plus is turning it into a TV show so you can read the book first and then go watch the show. Um, for our slightly younger readers that are maybe just starting off, there's a really great series called Narwhal and Jelly. Um, jelly is a jellyfish, so very good uh, fitting with the sea creatures. But okay. they're a great read for our kids that really got into Elephant and Piggy. It's kind of the next step up. The books are just slightly longer, so they can challenge them to get a few more reading skills. But they have that same format of funny characters, speech bubbles, all that fun stuff that kids are enjoying. And then for my youngest readers, I have a book called Little Penguin Gets the Hiccups. And <laughs> I, I admit, this is more shameless self-promotion for me. It is going to be our first book in our pop-up story walk this year. Okay. Uh, that's a series where we have, we take our pop-up 
uh, we take our story walk on the road and we put it in different locations throughout the county all summer. So the first week, it will go up this Sunday. It will be at Donnell Middle School. You can go take a walk and read the book, Little Penguin Gets the Hiccups, which is about a little penguin who gets the hiccups eating after eating some very spicy tacos. <laughs> and he needs our readers to help scare him so that he uh, will get rid of his hiccups. So <laughs> it's a really fun story. Um, and it's so fun in that pop-up format because you get to walk along and read all of his funny answers. That, that is awesome. Know. That is awesome. I love the uh, story walks. Uh, again, the one at Riverside, as we know, and some of the other uh, parks around the uh, area as well. Uh, the uh, story walks, a great way of... Um, Again, reading and getting a little uh, outdoor time, little exercise, just a terrific yeah, a little physical activity. Exactly. As you yeah. go. Summer read. Uh, so officially, you launch on Monday, right? Yes, that's right. Starting Monday, you can go on to the site and get signed up. Um, and if you are not doing the site, you can also come into the library and pick up paperwork that you can view the All program right. that way. Very good. And uh, again, the reading lists are on the website. On the uh, website, you've got a uh, rundown of all of the uh, programs. You've got uh, information on the other uh, programs and events and things uh, surrounding Summer Read uh, through the entire summer vacation season. Uh, we've got all of that linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net. So check that out. Youth Services Manager Brittany Lutz, the Finley Hancock County Public Library with us this morning. Brittany, thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, high school commencement exercises for many area schools coming up this weekend. It can be a big shock to parents as the realization sets in that a major change in their life is about to happen. We have real-world do's and don'ts of sending your kid to college. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.